Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today, Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. And we are excited to be here in the studio with you. And those of you who are watching abroad, we thank God for you and your prayers for us. And uh, you're sowing into this ministry. We're so thankful for that. Uh, today we're going to be in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. And uh, just so grateful to be studying God's Word and learning the righteousness of God's Word. Uh, for that is the only path He guides His people in is the path of righteousness. But first, before we dig in today, let's uh, just mention that uh, not this week, but next week, beginning on Thursday night in Dublin, Georgia, at Crossway Fellowship, Pastor Scotty Williams and his bunch there of cross-eyed folks in Dublin, Georgia, are hosting this year's Determined Camp Meeting. And we are just so excited about being there and hope that if you're anywhere near, even if you have to drive across the country, that you'd show up for a great weekend loaded with meetings. I believe there's going to be about 10 preachers there. I believe that uh, uh, it's going to be a time that God speaks and God ministers to His people. These are a group of ministers who God has been able to bring back to a place of determination where they're determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. A lot of folks say negative things about it, but when the dust settles, I want to be where those who are preaching the cross are. And I'm just thankful for that opportunity to be a part of a group like that. Also in January, on January the 16th, Robin and I will be in Lima, Ohio uh, at the Hampton Inn for one day of meetings that morning at 10 till lunch and that afternoon from 5 till whenever we get through. And uh, so if you're anywhere in or near Lima, Ohio, put that on your uh, calendar and come and join us. We'll have a great time in the Lord, a great time of preaching and teaching God's Word and prayer and fellowship. So uh, again, that's January the 16th, letting you know ahead of time. Uh, here in about three weeks, Pastor Lauren Larson will be here with us. That's November the 6th through the 8th. So uh, make sure you come. If you're anywhere near Queen City, Atlanta, Texas, uh, just come and be a part of those meetings and we'd love to see you uh, with us. So praise God for all of that good stuff going on. Again, today we're in 2 Timothy and uh, chapter 2. And let me just mention that on uh, Mondays and Thursday mornings at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, I'm teaching the book of Romans. We have made it all the way through almost. We're in chapter 15. We started in Romans 1 verse 1 two years ago. And... Uh, we're in chapter 15, so that's live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. So join us when you can. And we're just, uh, just so thankful to be able to have the time and the place and the technology to, to publish God's Word. And we know that many lives are being affected. Many of God's people are awakening unto righteousness, realizing they've been sitting in dead places and they've, they've even declared it. I, my church is dead and blah, blah, blah. But they're finally realizing that that building and that property is not what God's called them to. He's called them to walk in righteousness and they are learning to find that group of people that they can strive together with, the Bible says in Philippians, for the faith of the gospel. Amen. And you'll know when you find it because the message of the cross is the centerpiece on the table. It's the centerpiece in all the messages that are preached. It is the direction and the focus of all true ministry is the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful to be a part of that in these last days. So where we'll begin today here is in verse 11, <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. This is part 5 on the 16th day of October 2020. And Paul writes to Timothy here and he says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now, uh, 
I know we covered a little bit of this last week, but we needed to back up, and I, I, I didn't feel like it was sufficient enough last week, and it probably won't be this week either. It never is fully sufficient in just our teaching, but I wanted to cover a little bit more in depth and because things such as these scriptures that Paul wrote are very important. They're very uh, paramount that we have to understand. We, we, we have to understand what we're reading. We can't just be reading. We can't just be listening to a preacher. There must be an enlightening of understanding in our hearts taking place by the Holy Spirit. And He will do that if we long to understand. You can look back even under the Old Covenant and see that when Daniel set himself apart to understand that that war broke out in the heavenlies, the angel trying to get to him to deliver him some revelation because he set himself apart to understand. Do you want to understand God's Word? I'm not just pleased with reading a chapter or going to church. That's, that's, That's just being pleased with myself. I need to be pleased with what He's doing in my life. And I need to be able to recognize that. And I won't ever be able to do that unless I'm learning and understanding God's Word. And so we need to... We need to listen. We need to learn. The Bible says in the last days the, the church will ever be learning but not able to come to truth. Truth is what we're looking for in God's Word because that's what the Holy Spirit guides us in. Hallelujah. So here he says, It is a faithful saying, Because if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. To be dead with Him is to live with Him. And that doesn't necessarily, it it doesn't exclusively mean that because we died with Him that we shall live with Him. But if we are dead today, then we will live with Him. Yes, when we were born again some last week, last decade, last whenever, years ago, we were considered to have died with Him through our identification with Him and His work at Calvary through our hearts believing unto that righteous work. Romans 10 and 10 tells us that. And and. We became righteous. We were justified. We died with Him. God not only saw His Son dying for us, but all those who would trust in His Son and what His Son would do at Calvary, God also saw us, the old man, the sin nature, being put to death. Christ represented us that well to where... Not only did He die for us, but we died with Him there through our faith in what He did there for us. But the Bible says, if we be dead, not if we have died, but if we be dead. And this is not the only place this is mentioned, and I want to read that to you in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. This is a daily Attitude. This is a daily experience. This is not I, I, my faith in Christ 40 years ago got me saved and, and, and now because I died with Him, I live with Him. No, because I died with Him today, look at Romans 6.11, I'm told to reckon myself also to be, to be, to be dead indeed unto sin. The sin nature. That's right. We still have a sin nature. We, <clears throat> every person on the planet has a sin nature. But the sin nature within the church, the born-again believer, is dormant as long as he's trusting in what Christ did at Calvary to put him to death. When we start trusting in the fads of this life, the works that we do, and everything other that we think we have to do to be righteous before God or we have to do to be saved and made righteous to God, then that's trusting in self. And and that's not reckoning ourselves to be dead to the sin nature. And I have to throw this in right now. And I know we're not teaching Romans 6, but we are told in Romans 6, (coughs) excuse me, to reckon... That means account it to myself today again to be, not to have, but to be 
dead unto the sin nature. That means my faith is active. It's consciously in the forefront of my minds. Today again, I deny myself of whatever it might be that would prevent me from taking up my cross, keeping my faith in His work, the work of Christ at Calvary, and following Him. I deny myself of listening to messages that point me to what I need to do for victory over sin because I'll never get it. And, 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 and we need to understand this. Out of the 16 times the word sin is used in Romans 6, only once is it used as an active, actual committing of a sin in verse 15. The other 15 times in Romans 6 the word sin is used, it's the noun, it's the sin. It's that sin nature. And in Romans 6, 11... Again, I'll read it. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves. This is to an already saved and spirit-filled church in Rome. Don't forget that. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto the sin nature, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I needed to read that because it is a faithful saying, if we be dead, if we be dead with Him, then yes, at salvation, we died with Him by faith. But in Romans 6, we're told to consider that in our lives right now. To be dead to the sin nature. That means that today, for me to be able to account it to myself that I have died to the sin nature. I've been unplugged from it, separated from it. It no longer dominates me because I'm choosing to keep my faith in the cross alone, not the words I speak, the money I give, the hours I pray, the the hours I study, the, the money I give, all the things that I could put my faith in. I choose to keep my faith in that alone which Christ did for me at Calvary, I reckon myself because of that to be dead indeed right now to the sin nature, unplugged from it, alive unto God, living for God. And if I don't understand these things, if I'm not learning these things about the sin nature and the flesh and that the only place they can be overcome is when I'm reckoning myself to be dead to them through faith in the cross of Christ, then I'm going to live as the t- typical lukewarm, casual Christian who just constantly fails and fails and fails and fails and, 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 and never has any uh, uh, change, never really grows and breaks out of the things that are holding us. The devil whispers and says, You'll, nobody's perfect. So we take that and we stay where we are. And, 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 you know, and we won't be like Jesus till we see him. And the devil, he'll remind you of those things if he knows that you have no intention of changing. And he knows who those Christians are because he's not seeing any change in their lives. And when he even finds Christians that... I'm talking about the devil, that he, he knows... They want to change. He sees them weeping over their situation. He keeps telling them lies. If you will try harder, if you'll just, man, if you'll just read this book and do these things, you, you, I'm telling you, those, that's the voice of the enemy. The voice of truth says look to Calvary for there you'll experience the liberty and the victory over the sin and the bondages that have kept you from breaking forth and running this race as you should be running, being used of God, functioning as a part, an active part of the body of Christ instead of making all the excuses why you're not. Oh, they sound so holy and just, but it ain't nothing but flesh and we can have a breakthrough if we'll just keep looking to Calvary. Folk who are not growing, they're not really looking to Calvary. They might say the words, but when we when I say look to Calvary, I mean from my heart I'm broken. I am, I am broken. I am trusting in that alone that I died with Him and now God is in control of my life. I'm not. And God's not making excuses as to why I'm not growing and moving forward and running this race. That's me. God is showing me how to run this race and move forward and break out of all the things that have held me and it's the way of the cross. Hallelujah. 
we need to know that. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now, if all we ever know and think is that because we were born again and died with him and we don't relate that to now, we will just be the crippled, paralyzed part of the church, which is 99% of it, that it's always been. Always been. Let me say it again. Always been. Without the truth of what the cross of Christ does for me today, in my life today, other than a ticket to heaven, other, other than me positionally being placed in Him right now. Yes, we're there in Christ at the right hand of the Father right now. But if I'm not learning how what He did 2,000 years ago relates to my life today, I'm in big trouble. And I'll just grow lukewarm and complacent. And I don't need that. I don't want that. I want to live under God, not according to my thoughts, according to the Word of God. And for me to be able to do that, I have to reckon myself to be dead unto the sin nature through faith in my cross, in the cross of Christ, for it is, it is the only place that God has put anything on our record, on our account, is in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So to be dead with Him is to have one's faith in His death on the cross. We must daily reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto the sin nature, but that's not me saying I'm dead to the sin nature. That's from my heart, with my heart, believing unto that righteous work of Christ at Calvary again today. Let me say this again. The cross is where God has laid everything to our account. Only in the blood of Jesus am I just, righteous, holy. Can I find the power, the wisdom, the strength, the confidence, the courage. Everything I need comes through not faith that was, but Hebrews 11, faith that now is. Now faith is. Faith that was is not faith that is. Now faith is for me to run this race and me to be able to reckon myself to be dead. Indeed, to be dead indeed to the sin nature. Also, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Because in years past, I'd say before about 23 years ago, and I mean the entirety of the church age, the church really has never understood what Paul wrote. Uh, they, they've never understood what it means to take up their cross. For years we thought our cross was our divorce, our cancer, our uh, uh, bankruptcy, our uh, this, our that. Th- th- listen, Christ died for me at Calvary and that is the cross. Paul says I was crucified with Him. If I don't know that then I'll think all these things are my cross and all these things are really are hardships and trials and temptations. They are not my cross. I was crucified. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. And for me to deny myself, the, the, the result of proper biblical denial is that I end up, because of that proper biblical denial trusting in Christ and Him crucified alone. Now I know we've heard this, but are we walking there? Are we walking there? Is that what I'm trusting in? Him alone for everything that I need. And Jesus said, lest you deny yourself, take up your cross daily. See, that proves right there it's not a one-time thing. Daily. I have to trust in His way what He did at Calvary. Romans 1, 16 and 17 tell us that. It tells us that the just lives by faith. But how? As they go from faith to faith, which reveals it's not just a one time. Oh, it's a one time to get in, but we live from faith to faith, which reveals again, it is a daily thing. It's not mystical and magical and now, but it's because I'm a child of God, He just picks me up and carries me along and all the cute little sayings that we hear, when I can't run the race, He picks me up and carries me. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. 
You run the race or you won't make the finish line. That's biblical. You run the race or you won't make the finish line. Now the church has grown so far from scriptures and so complacent and lazy, they hate comments like that because they simply don't know their Bibles. Well, when I can't walk, he carries me. When I can't run, he'll, you know, if I, if I choose to go the wrong way, well, uh, he'll make that the right way. That's, I mean, we got all these cute sayings. Anybody know what I'm talking about up in here this morning? We got all these cute little sayings. I see them on social media all the time. I get so tired of seeing these cute little things. They ain't nothing but the devil trying to keep the church complacent and lazy and bound in all their mess. All these cute little psychological sayings about what God can do, what God will do, but there ain't nobody hardly telling anybody how God does these things. And He only does what He does through our faith in the cross. Because if I don't daily reckon myself, reckon myself, consciously be aware of what I'm believing, reckoning myself to be dead to the sin nature and alive unto God, I'm going to be dominated by the sin nature. Because if I'm not, listen, if I'm not daily reckoning myself to be dead to the sin nature, that means I'm trusting in something. I don't see the need to reckon myself to be dead to the sin nature. Maybe the devil lied to me and told me I didn't have a sin nature. Well, those who believe that, I promise you're being dominated by it every day of their lives. And that's not what God intended. Romans 6.14 says, Sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law but under grace. But that doesn't mean that we just automatically stay under grace. Paul told the church in, in Galatia that you've fallen from grace. You've fallen from that place where God functions and operates, bestows on you the, the things that you need, the things that He wants you to have as His children. He doesn't just mystically and magically do it anyway. That's another misconception in the Bible. It's wrong. Yes, we serve a good, faithful, merciful, God of loving kindness, gracious. It's like the hyper-grace folks. It says God's grace is beyond what we can imagine. I believe that. I agree with that. It's beyond what our minds can handle, but that does not give us a right to start making things up about it. We have to stick with the Word, and the Word can't be functional in our lives unless our faith is in the blood. In the blood. Now, I'm going to take a little detour here this morning, and I'm going to show you something about what I just said because it's all about the church being focused on the sacrifice of Christ. That's not just what got us in, and now we focus. We never leave faith in the cross. It doesn't become something that's back in the shadows. It doesn't become something that we've put on the shelf, and now let's learn about everything else. No, it takes the blood of Jesus, to learn anything of God. Mm. It takes the blood of Jesus to learn anything that's of the Spirit and His teaching. Let's look at Exodus 24 this morning. Not in my notes. Exodus 24, if I can get there. Exodus. I know how to spell. Exodus 24, verse 6. Watch this. And those of you who are watching, this is going to bless you. I, I posted this last night on social media again this morning. And this is paramount. This is very needful in the church today. Exodus 24 and 6, And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar, which is always symbolic in the Old Covenant of what Jesus would do at the cross to bring about the new covenant that he said is in his blood. Verse 7, And he took the book of the covenant <coughs> and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. Now watch this very carefully. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you 
concerning all these words. Now I'm going to read that eighth verse again and I know you will too. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people got to be covered by the blood and said, Behold the blood. I'm going to say that again. Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. Without faith in the blood, our faith is not really in the word. We might think it is, but it's really not. The only object of faith God has offered men to be able to walk in the light of His Word is the blood of the Lamb. There is no other access to the Word of God except through the Word of God offering what His Son did, the living Word of God at Calvary. When you accept that, then you now are found in Christ with a race set before you to run. You're found now where you can begin to be taught truth by the Spirit of truth, but only as you keep your faith in the blood. All of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. Some of you have never heard these things in your entire Christian life. Proverbs 8 and 8 says all the words of his mouth, God's mouth, all the words that God has ever spoken are in righteousness. That's Proverbs 8 and 8. Your faith that you've obtained, that measure of faith, Romans 12, 3, was given to you through the righteousness of God and your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 1 and 1. That righteousness you trusted in was the shed blood of Jesus. That word you heard about the blood. I said, that word you heard... And when you believed in that blood that was shed for you, that word you heard became life to you. Did you understand that? When you believed in the blood that you were told about, that word that you heard became life to you because the life is in the blood. Jesus said, In John 5, 38 and 39 to the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures, for in them you say you think you have life, but they are they which testify of me, but you won't come to me. See, there's no life outside of Christ as the Lamb. All these places where people gather and they're not hearing the Word of God in the context of the Lamb, the context of God's righteousness, there is no life. The Bible says there's the voice of rejoicing and and the voice of salvation in the tabernacles of the righteous. But many places you just see people in these churches that are full of so supposedly righteous people standing there, can't wait till the music's over. But the church is the righteous people of God in the earth. Come on now, I'm just trying to help you today. The voice of praise and the voice of salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. We're the righteous. And when we come to church, if we're walking in that place, and we can't be if we're not hearing the message of that, Oh, the glorious message of the cross, the message of God's righteousness. We better move on here. Y'all are holding me up this morning. It's also a faithful saying in verse 12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we suffer. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 I believe it is says that we've been given two things of the Lord. One, to believe upon Him and two, to suffer with Him. To suffer with Him. And that's not talking about to be sick, to be uh, uh, all the things of the flesh. That's talking about to suffer for His namesake, for righteousness. Suffering that's not due to righteousness is not pleasing God. Suffering in sickness, that's not pleasing to God. Suffering because of righteousness 
is pleasing to God. Endurance in the faith in suffering from sickness is pleasing to God because it's always the faith that pleases Him. But suffering because I'm sick, suffering. The only suffering that pleases God is the suffering that's due to our believing His righteousness for righteousness' sake. Hope you got that. But, but the most important thing in verse 12 is if we suffer, we shall reign with Him. We reign with Him if we suffer with Him. This lets us know that, that, that really I, if, we, if we know the Bible, our suffering isn't what we go out and do to try to suffer. The suffering the Bible here is talking about because he's talking about if we be dead with Him, we shall live with Him. The focus is always the cross with Paul. And if we suffer, that means we keep our faith in His suffering for us. We walk in that place of faith. Suffering will come. And we will reign only in that place. The, the cross looked like He wasn't reigning. But the cross was where He overcame all things that would ever hinder us. It was the place that though He was crucified through weakness, the Bible says, God was pouring out His grace, the Bible says, in Hebrews 2 and 9, that Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted death for all men. That's why He had to be crucified through weakness because only through weakness is God's strength made perfect. So perfect that it can save, I'm talking about what Jesus did at Calvary, the entirety of the human race. And that same grace He tasted death by is the same taste of death we have when our faith is in His work and that's why we as the psalmist can say, oh taste and see that the Lord is good. Because there's no seeing outside of faith in the blood. There's no seeing. Think about that. There's no seeing outside of faith in the blood. No, no. We see through the Word of God. And it is what lights up for us the path. You've got to understand, without faith in the blood, there is no light for you. You can read the Word till you pass out. There is no light for you unless your faith is in the blood. For it is only the blood of the Lamb that is the light of God. There is no other light of God. The light is Christ, and Christ is the Lamb. And only our faith in Christ as the Lamb can the Holy Spirit begin to teach us the, the, the things of Jesus. Jesus said the scriptures are about him. How many preachers have I heard over the last two or three or four or five years that are supposed to be knowing this message that preaches entire message and don't even say Jesus or point to Calvary? Then I understand why. They think they know better. They don't think that it's that much of a necessity. They don't think it's that urgent. And I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just letting you know to recognize those things. And I don't care who they are. Makes no difference who they are because the way this whole thing works about distracting us and moving us away is a certain individual, could be me, giving you the truth for 15 to 20 years and then me moving away and becoming focused on other things and you following me to our own detriment and hurt. And you can't follow me just because you have over the last 15 years. You must follow me only as I follow Christ and I'm only following Christ if I'm taking up my cross daily and following Him. We've got to understand that. Well, it's not that radical. It's not just all... Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But he says here also that if we deny Him, He also will deny us. Now, one of the big problems in the church today is that when we read the Bible for years and years and years, we've just read it and we've only had two classes of people. Well, you're either saved or you're lost. And okay, there are some carnal Christians, but you know, but, but really it's... And so when we read this, typically we'd say, if we deny Him, that means we're lost. And He's denying us. But no, there's another category. There's, and this is 90% or higher of all the church. There's those, and I speak from experience, who are saved, even spirit-filled a lot of them, and on their way to heaven. 
They don't know how to live for God. And let me say it, my friend. If I'm trusting in this program, if I'm trusting in what I'm doing, oh, I finally found it. This is what I've got to do for God. I'm denying God in my works. He denies me in that. He denies me if I'm denying Him. That's huge. You start talking about the message of the cross on the job. They made fun of me the last several years I worked where I retired from. People would laugh at me. They'd come in my little office there and, 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 and just kind of mock my focus on the cross. They'd mock it. They didn't really want to hear about it. Or, or some who were very devoted to the places of worship they attend, they would say things they thought were positive about me. Oh, oh, he's, now he's a great preacher of the cross. Like, that, that, he's a great preacher of uh, oh, the cross. Oh, but there's this all this up. And they, they listen. They, they they say those things in ignorance because they just don't know. I'm not condemning anybody. I was there. They don't know. But the but the horrible thing about it is this is the horrible thing about it. They don't want to know. They won't they they won't make time to sit down with somebody and be shown this truth of the cross on every page of the Bible. And really what that's telling God is I don't think I need the cross every day. Jesus said you can't follow him if you don't take it up every day. Every day. We preachers think it's too much to relate the, the, all the scriptures to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. The Bible says that's exactly what it's about. If every word God has ever spoken is in righteousness and righteousness is only revealed in the gospel, and the gospel is what God did in Christ at Calvary, there you have it. There you have it. Not, not just good words and that, that make me right. This is the avenue that Paul taught all the wisdom, confidence, strength, courage, everything God is offering comes through this avenue, and if we don't believe it, we're still caught up in mystical and magical. Mystical and magical. And God's neither. He's a real God who really shows up to do a real work in those that will cry out to Him <coughs> and, and reach that wretched man moment. I'm reading a book, uh, a new book uh, Brother Dan Barrett put out. And in that book, he says that the, the word wretched is only used twice in Scripture. Once when Paul reached that wretched man moment crying out, who can save this old wretched man that I am from this body of sin and death? <coughs> oh, and then the Lord begins to reveal to him that through the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did at Calvary, you can be delivered. But then that word again is used to the church in Laodicea. We read about in Revelation where Jesus through John writes to them and says... You think you have need of nothing. But Jesus says, I see you as blind, naked, and wretched. When someone rejects the focus of the cross at all times, they, they think they know better than God. And, and, and let me just be sure... These Christians, these preachers, and I've heard preachers say, do we really want that message coming to our town? Those folks, those preachers like that, they haven't had their wretched man moment because there is a place you can reach, but not only for those who really want to live for God, not those who've been trained up from a two-year-old just to go to an altar and stir themselves up to cry every Sunday, and they've done it for 60 years, but nothing's ever become of it. They're still... When you're from your heart, I said... From your heart, you want to know how to get out of this cycle of habitual nothingness. And I want to move forward. From the heart, God sees that desire. God sees that wretched man moment. And He shows you that which will deliver you. But that doesn't mean because He shows it to you, you have to accept it. 
You have to subject yourself to that. You have to follow Him in that truth. You can't just... I mean, God has spoken many good things. The, Isaiah said, even though the favor, the grace of the Lord is shown to the wicked, yet they won't learn righteousness. And because of that, they won't see the majesty of the Lord. Just because I'm broken and I'm having a wretched man moment, if I don't accept the way of the cross, I will continue to live as the wretched man. Know that that sin is going to destroy you. It's going to embarrass you. Many of pastors have lost their entire ministries because God tried to deal with them. He tried to show them. He, he wanted to show them, but they just wouldn't listen to that cross stuff. So He had to let them keep going unto self-destruction. And that's all that can happen without daily faith in the cross. If we deny Him, He will deny us. I've said it for years. He's as faithful to bless you if you'll keep believing as He is to deny you if you stop. He only gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. And the proud are those who don't quite think the cross really is enough for every day. The cross really is not enough for every message. We can preach this message. We can teach these sessions, this series of messages, and we don't really need to bring the cross in because this session is about prayer. Listen, your prayers are worthless if your faith is not in the blood and the people need to know that and be hearing that and be focused on that, that we, even as the children of God, are denied. That means... When I think I'm going to the throne for grace, when I'm not trusting in the blood, it ain't, I'm not getting there. I'm not getting there. My prayers are hindered. Think about it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. He might deny us, but he won't ever deny himself because he's faithful. He's faithful. He won't deny himself. He is going to offer to all humanity the way of life. You know, you think about all the people that uh, are lost and they'll die lost, unfortunately, and so sad that is. Uh, the most of humanity that's ever lived on this earth and perished have perished in their sins. And that's very sad. That's heartbreaking. Jesus said the, uh, the majority of the people will go after that which is only looks like life, but it won't be abundant life. They won't, they won't make it onto the narrow way. And the reason they don't make it is because they think they can do it. Well, I'm not as bad as them. Maybe not as good as them, but at least I'm good. There's nothing good about the human race until God shows up and does something for us. He's the only good thing. He is the only good thing. And you have to think back. We've been asked so many times, what about people who are out there and they never hear the gospel? Well, God has given them a conscience and He's given them the creation to look at. And I, I look back at Abraham and I know that Abraham was an idol-making, idol-worshiping heathen and God showed up because I believe that God saw Abraham with that conscience and that creation and because, listen... Idol makers in all the world that worships the, 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 the stars until, uh-oh, the moon comes out and now I see the moon. It's greater than the star. Okay, now let's make an idol to the moon. Uh-oh, but a few hours later the sun comes out and the moon, oh, forget the moon, look at the sun. Let's worship the sun. And ultimately you just keep going. That conscience is, is, is noticing that the moon is greater than the stars, the, the, the sun is greater than the moon, and, 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 and you just, and that's what the con, that's how it works. And then you realize there's something greater than the sun, greater, someone had to make these things. And God found Abraham and unlike all the other people on the earth who believed in the moon, the stars, the sun, the frogs, the flies, the, the, the wall, everything, they were, what were they, polytheistic or whatever and God said to Abraham, they ain't but one of me. And that's what set the nation of Israel apart from all other nations. God said, there's only one God. 
You don't worship the sun. You don't worship the moon. You just worship. And that's how that works. And with this conscience that we still have, even as Christians, we should allow our conscience to avoid being seared from the truth. Our consciences are very important in our lives as Christians. All the people under the old covenant could never have a pure conscience because every year they had to keep coming back and doing that same ritual for the forgiveness of their sins. When they died, they couldn't even go to heaven. They had to go to paradise. Their consciences, the Bible says in the New Testament, had, had that, that because their conscience couldn't be pure, couldn't be clear, they, because they just had to keep going back and doing the same old thing. But Jesus comes, He gives His life one time for all, such a perfect sacrifice, and now our consciences are clear, clean. I've been forgiven, I've been delivered. I'm in Christ at the right hand of the Father. But just because I've been given all these great blessings does not mean I cannot deny Him. I have denied Him. If you're honest, you'll have to say you've denied Him too. But he won't deny himself. He might deny me when I'm walking in a state of pride thinking that the cross, I was, oh, it's great, thank God I'm saved, but I also need to, because Grandpa told me, because that preacher that paid my light bill told me, oh, uh, mm -mm, the cross is enough. God's grace is sufficient to you as the cross is to you. God's grace is only sufficient to you as the cross is to you. How sufficient to you is the work of Christ for you today? That's the question. This is one of those statements when Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. won't read the whole verse there in Galatians 2.20. This is one of those statements that means because I was 2,000 years ago, crucified with Christ, and we were. God saw it all took place at Calvary on that hill. That day, God saw not only His Son dying, but every person who had ever or will ever believe in Him dying there, Him representing them that day. Just like the first Adam, when he sinned, represented the entirety of the whole human race. God saw every believer that day dying with Christ. This is one of those statements that means because I was, I was 2,000 years ago crucified with Christ, I am today crucified with Him through faith. That's powerful. And if we believe not, yet He abides faithful, He cannot deny Himself. And then Paul says in verse 14, of these things, put them in remembrance. Now think about that. Well, I've heard this preacher. I know people right now who don't like being warned, admonished, cautioned. And that's basically 80% of what the New Testament is. I'm in Romans chapter 15. I told you earlier in, in yesterday's teaching, it, it, Paul said, I know, he writes to him, he says, I know you're full of goodness. I know you're full of knowledge, but also admonish one another. I looked that word admonish up and it means to caution, to, to rebuke mildly, to, to uh, warn. And that's what we don't really like. Or if we say we don't mind it, it means we don't mind a little bit of it. But that's all Paul basically did other than the things that he taught as the way the church should be functioning, always came with warnings. Warnings. The first promise God made to man. The first words God spoke to man. You are free to eat of all the trees in the garden, but don't eat off that tree. John 3.16. It's a promise, but it comes with a warning of perishing if we don't believe. And yet we don't like being warned. We don't like to be warned again. But we need to learn that we need to be warned. You know, if you had kids and they, you lived in a neighborhood and a couple houses over, you could see it from your porch, you knew there was a person dealing drugs. You wouldn't tell your kids one time. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want you to ever forget it, boys, girls. That house right over there, you're never to go near it. 
They're doing illegal, evil things. Stay away from it. Okay, I told them. They were five. I hope they get it. That ain't how it works. That's not how it works. I had to be reminded when I was in my early 40s that the cross is the answer. I had to be reminded and I was being warned, don't go astray again. Don't go astray again. And when I, the first few years, I begin to preach this message, and, and, and it can happen again if I do this again, but I would, I would begin to go off track and start talking about things, and the Lord would quicken me immediately in the pulpit and say, That's not my gospel. And I would have to pull the emergency brake right there and get back on track because it's all about the gospel. If I'm not all about the gospel, I'm not all about God's people like I think I am. Imagine the Judaizers telling the folks you've got to be circumcised. And they were putting on this show because they were putting on this act like they cared about the relationship with God these Gentiles, these Galatians had. But Paul writes, the church in Galatians says, they don't care about that. They only care about glorying in your flesh when you become like them. So just because folk are telling you they love you, they care about you, don't mean they're giving you the right substance you need every day. Just because somebody, even preachers, most of them today, they think they have what helps, but if it's not the Scriptures in the light of Christ and His work at Calvary, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you one bit. And the preachers who are resisting this message are the preachers who still think they have to control their congregations. They've said it. They've told it. If I start pre- I've heard it. If I start preaching the cross, I'll lose the control of the people. My Lord, who is it that gave us control of the people? We should preach the gospel. We, man, we pre- I preached this in the Philippines and it made some folk mad. It made them preachers mad, mad, mad if you're telling them, you don't need me, you just need Jesus. If we just preach the message of the cross, it allows the Holy Spirit to take control and we don't control the people. Amen, Brother Curtis. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them. That word does mean commanding them, by the way. Another word we don't like. If my preacher starts commanding me, I'm leaving. I'm going where one just lets me live however, whatever, do whatever. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of hearers. Don't be striving about words that, that have no profit and that will only subvert the hearers. The word subvert, and listen, I got a better understanding of this now than I've ever had before. I, I thought this actually read this way. Let me read you the way I thought it read in my own mindset of what I thought it meant. Let me read this last part again. Uh, That they strive not about words to no profit, but I thought it meant but to the subverting of the hearers. And I thought for some reason the word subvert had something to do with convert. Don't be, don't be, uh, tell them not to be striving about words that don't profit, but tell them to be uh, uh, using words that subvert the hearers. And listen, this is when it comes into real study. The word subvert here doesn't mean convert the hearers. It means, listen, the word subvert means to ruin, to overthrow, destruction, apostasy. That's what that word means. So now let's read it again in its real more in-depth meaning of these things. What I've just told you. That if you deny God, He'll deny you. He won't ever deny Himself. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're dead with Him, you'll reign with Him. If you suffer with Him, you'll reign with Him. I mean, if you're dead with Him, you'll live with Him. I'll get it right in a minute. But he, uh, he says, of these things, put them in remembrance. They've already heard it, that means. Let them... Remember this. Kids, that house over there is still off limits. I know you're eight now. You were five. I know you're ten now. I know you're fifteen. I know you're eighteen. You still live in my house, that house. Oh no. We constantly watch this. Of these things, put them in remembrance. Charging them. Commanding them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, 
Because the words that have no profit are subverting the hearers. They're ruining those that are listening. They're, they're overthrowing those that are listening. They're, they're, they're bringing destruction to those who are listening. It's causing apostasy is at work in their hearts and they don't even know it. Do you understand that you can think you're hard after God and be running a hundred mile an hour the opposite way? The Judaizers did. The nation of Israel did when they crucified. Crucify Him! Oh, they thought they were doing that. They were after the heart of God. This is a blasphemer. Let's, let me say it again. You can, be, you can think you're running 100 miles an hour after God because you, of certain things you're doing and your emotions and you can be running 100 miles an hour away from Him, denying Him. The only way to accept Him, my friends, is through faith in His cross. You see, the acceptance of the Lord is not just a one-time deal. Jesus taught daily cross, daily denial of self, daily cross, daily following Him, not going to church on Sunday and Wednesday, following Him daily. It's daily. We've got to be careful. See, for years I was subverting the hearers. 99% of all preachers today are, and I hate to have to use that big number, and I know some people hear it and they just shake. And I, well, he just thinks he's the only one right. No, I don't. It's for, it's for you to test. Test the spirits. Turn the television on. Listen to maybe what your preacher is preaching. Is he opening the Scriptures and pointing you to the one who said the Scriptures are about him? and to what He did so that the Scriptures can be imparted into your heart and experienced and literally become the lamp to your, the light to your path. Literally. Not quoting a verse, living the verse. Living life, living the verse. Let me say it again. It's who you're listening to opening the Bible and pointing you to the one who said, the Bible is about Him, Jesus. And what He did at Calvary so that the Word of the Lord, which is the way that faith comes, can take us to faith again. Remember, we live by faith, from faith to faith. We're alive because we're saved. But are we living? Amen. Amen. So I wanted to at least reach this point this morning that we need to be able to understand this, what we're reading. We're to put them in remembrance of these things that Paul has taught and that they do not be striving about words to no profit. Remember what Paul told the church in Galatia? You've removed yourself from Him. You've fallen from grace. And then the horrible in Galatians 5, 1 through 4, what did he tell them? Christ can't profit you. He can't affect you now. What a thought. Again, I can be thinking I'm going 100 miles an hour. Oh, I'm living for God like I've never lived for God to only really be running 100 miles an hour away from God in deception. The cross of Christ, His work there, His death is where you must identify yourself with Him daily. Reckoning yourself again today to be dead under the sin nature and alive to God. Not with words to yourself, but with your heart believing unto that righteousness. Amen. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you tuned in with us today. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you are watching these broadcasts and, and doing more than hitting the like button and, and making comments, but hit the share button. Don't be ashamed of the gospel or those who stick with it and preach it. And uh, again, uh, join us every Friday morning at 9 a.m. right here in the studio if you live anywhere close. And uh, we just praise God for the opportunity to be studying the Word of God, pointing God's people in the right direction, warning of the wrong direction because we love you and we're called to do that. And we're thankful for that opportunity. But again, you can find all these messages at the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, or the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. You can sow into the ministry financially, and we praise God for all of you who are and do, at thecrosswaychurch.com, or you can text your giving to the word 903 903- 
231-5950. And uh, till next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We will see you later.